0: Hi, welcome to The Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at The Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. What can we offer to the world around us at this time of the year? Can we offer peace? Can we be peacemakers? Can we be bringers of peace? So we can offer peace and we can offer goodwill, but I wanted to look into that a wee bit more to understand that more so we can offer peace, goodwill, and I believe we can offer purpose as well. A new year, 2022, is just round the corner. Who knows what it's going to bring, but I believe that we can offer people purpose as well at this time of the year. In Luke chapter 2 verse 14 it says glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now one translation says peace and goodwill towards men but this translation says peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. And so that really means on whom God's delight who God takes delight in, who he shows his kindness to, all right, favor, okay? And so peace to those on whom his favor rests or goodwill to those on whom his favor rests. And I believe that that's one of the purposes that God has for us is to know his favor, amen, and to spread that, all right, to say, You know, this is God's heart towards you, has a purpose for your life. And to take that and to spread that around, to say to others, God has a purpose for your life. He wants to bring peace into your life and goodwill to you. He wants to show you his favor and his kindness, amen. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter one, verse 11, it says, indeed, each time we pray about you, For the purpose that our God may deem you worthy of the calling and may fulfill every good pleasure. And this is the same word in the Greek as what what the word is talking about here, goodwill and favor. It's the word eudokios. That God may deem you worthy of the calling and may fulfill every good pleasure that comes from his goodness and his work of faith in his ability. Amen? So, There is a purpose, and the purpose is that God may deem you worthy of the calling and may fulfill his good pleasure in you and I. I'm going to have some of that too this morning, that ye may fulfill his good pleasure in you. And that comes from his goodness and his work of faith, amen, in his ability. And so for another year that's coming, I believe we can communicate to people that hope comes through a renewed purpose in our life. Um, is, is there anyone here that feels they could do with a renewal of purpose? Don't be embarrassed, I, 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 you know, to put your hand up. I believe that we can communicate that to people and if we don't have it, we, we, we need to go about, get, get, be getting busy, working this thing out. Hope comes through renewed purpose. And I heard, does anyone, has anyone ever heard of the guy, the psychologist Jordan Peterson? You may have. And he said that at this time of the year, hope and reality are at war with one another, really viciously. Hope and reality war with one another. Because people, at this time of the year, people are faced with the starkness of their circumstances. Do they have enough money? Do they have enough, do they have enough heating in their home? Have they got money to put fuel in the car? Have they got money to have a, a great Christmas celebration? All, and, and, and so hope and reality are at war with one another. And so I believe that we can help people at this time of the year and we can say, do you know what? You might not know what your original purpose was, but I want to share with you what it is. People don't know what their original purpose was because our society, by and large, has become totally disconnected from the Word of God, from the Logos. And the Logos arrived here on earth over two millennia ago, his name was Jesus. He was the Logos, he was the Word, amen? the hope of all the earth, he came, he was here on earth over two millennia, millennia ago. And there's just been been this massive disconnection from that. And if you ever heard of these, this trend that goes on these days called repurposing, you repurpose things. So you, you, you make it, you give it another purpose from what it was originally intended for. And it's quite a trendy thing. So it's repurposing is the use of something for a purpose other than its, hello, (laughs) nobody home. Repurposing is the use of something for a purpose other than its original intended use. Or you modify something to fit a new use, or you use the item in a new way. And I thought I was thinking about that and I'm thinking, it's actually kind of been flipped on its head because what's happened is we need to revert back to the original purpose that we were created for. And it's almost as if this culture has repurposed us. The culture and what's going on in the world today is, is, has change, is changing us. And we are, we are adapting to the culture that we live in instead of remembering, remembering that we were created for something completely different. Amen? And I think that that's what's happened at least in the West. You know, at this, we've reduced Christmas to a season that's devoid of, of the true spirit and meaning of Christmas. And hence the reason I prayed this morning, at this time of the year, Let you know, we're, at this pause, let's, let's take this pause to turn towards the Lord and start preparing for what we're going to do in January You know, and uh, it's like, Pastor David, I've heard 100,000 cliches about New Year's and what strapline are you going to come up with for this new year in 2022? What does it rhyme with? Well, I'm not going to say anything because you already know the word. What what does it rhyme with? And it's like God takes these seasons seriously. And this is the beginning of a new year, a significant year. Amen. So, popular culture just has repurposed us. And so, we're now not about the business that we were originally intended for, which was, or which is, to be in love and fellowship with God and to love each other. To be in love and fellowship with God and to love each other. Our first ministry is unto God, and our second ministry is unto men. All right? And so, that's, that's our business, to love God and to love people. And I'm talking about loving people that don't know Christ, as well as your, your, the people sitting on your left and right and front and behind you. Amen. But I believe, who's optimistic? It's the same, it's another, who, who has hope? I, I have hope. Amen. I believe Christmas still, it still imparts awe, It imparts wonder, It imparts hope. And I think that people that don't even associate Christmas really with Jesus Christ, with Christianity, I think they would say we'd be worse off without it. Because there is something about Christmas. I believe that you cannot ignore it because if you keep the Christ in Christmas, you're keeping Christ there. And we need to keep we need we need to we need to magnify that. Amen. We need, to, we need to get that over the, the, the tannoy, the loudspeaker. Yeah. Amen. So I believe that, that as we go into 2022, as we go into the future, we can do, I know it's been a tough couple of years. We didn't even have our Christmas Eve service last year. You know, everything was online and we were streaming and doing what we can. I believe we can do more with Christmas Amen. as a body, as, as a body of believers, as a church. And I look forward to doing that. And so, because at this time of the year, the promises that this world makes and all of the, you know, um, no matter what scientist, uh, leader, whatever they, whatever assurances that they, they they give, I can assure you most of the time they fall short or they don't come to anything. And so... So much falls short in this time that we live in. And only Jesus can offer true hope and real hope. And he was the one chosen by God to enable an opening or a pathway or a passage to union with the Father. And without that, separation from him was an absolute guarantee. It was sure. There was no way we were going to be together with, 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 with um, the Father God. And so Jesus made that way possible and he made it perfect. It's a perfect way. We only have to choose to walk in it. And if you look at history and you look at God's word, God's chosen and called many great people. And in one way or another, many of them all resisted the call. Has anyone here ever resisted the call? It's a very quiet church this morning they've had their issues they've had their flaws think think about saul one of one of the kings you know there's there's a path that a king goes on from when he is born to when the end of his life and here saul he was he was anointed to be king and then there was certain stages that a king goes through and saul was a kind of disobedient guy because his first command was right You're now, you've been anointed, you're it, you're the man, go and defeat the Philistines. But Saul decided to go and defeat the Amorites instead. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. And we all know the story of Saul, the way Saul's life was up and down. And, you know, have you you ever heard that, I think it was Pastor John Bevere that had that book, um, uh, something like The Enemy of Great is good, as good as great, or something like that. Do you remember that? Um, and so, sometimes what I mean to say is, you can be in not in God's perfect will, but you're kind of under his grace. You're, you're, you're not in his perfect will, but he permits certain things. And Saul was like this. So, but you know what? God was working in them and he enabled them to be part of the mission. That any one human, whoever has, is, or will be devoted and connected to the Spirit of God has been assigned. Simply turn people towards God. So we've been called, amen, you've been chosen, and all we really need to do is turn people towards God, and we do that by being obedient, amen. And it seems unbelievable, but do you know what? It's true. You can change God's mind. Do you believe that? You can change God's mind you can make the difference to the outcome of someone else's future. And um, that is that is huge because it shows us that not everything is fixed. You have the ability to change God's mind. And God was going to destroy Israel. In fact, not just one time. How many times is God going to, you know, just take out his wrath and his anger? Like one day God's going to, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to be... By the grace of God, stand before me. Lord, just how frustrated were you with me? And let him just pour it all out. Because <laughs> I know, oh, David, I was really frustrated. <laughs> in fact, at times I was angry. It's like, but God was going to destroy his chosen people. And one man, Moses, who also resisted the calling and did everything he could to try and get out of it, he chose to stand in the gap before God to turn God's anger away from wiping these people out. And you find that in Psalm 106, verse 23. God said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. And I believe that we all have that ability this morning to stand in the breach for somebody else or for a family or for a situation. And had it not been for you, Angela and Alex and Daniel. Had it not been for you, things would be very different. But we all have a choice to answer. And so God's working in the little small details of our lives to bring about his kingdom in the earth. Amen? And um, getting back to the pathway of the king, there was a census in in, in the land, you know, the one that Caesar Augustus decreed, it's in Luke 2.1. And I believe that God placed that in his mind to do that, to take that census. Because if it hadn't been for that census, Joseph and Mary would not have had to relocate to Bethlehem, to the original, to the city of David, where, because uh, Joseph was of the lineage of of David. And so God is always working in the small little parts of our life to work out His kingdom's purpose, and we think, "Oh, the cogs are turning. I wonder why." I'll put that to the side. I don't want to spend too much mental energy on that right now. And God's like, "Take notice of these little things that I'm doing. If I'm, if if God can turn the heart of a king, like He turns the watercourses, He can turn. He can turn people. He can turn." even a hardened atheist's mind around. He can do that. Do you believe that? So because of this, they go back to Bethlehem. In fact, it's Proverbs 21, if you want to see that scripture. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. And the facts are that so much could have gone wrong at that time with Jesus arriving on this earth. So there was a census and there was lots of other things going on in the land. A lot of things kind of seemed to conspire against this all happening. You know, the circumstances surrounding his parents, she was conceived by the father. Jesus was conceived by the father, the Holy Spirit, not by Joseph. And that was a potential scandal. Then Herod, Herod, he was some guy, eh? He he knew that he knew he knew that this baby that was born was the Messiah. He knew that. Somehow he knew that this is the king of the Jews. And so he sets about to slaughter the firstborn, slaughter all the innocents. Everything is going, going, you know, seemingly going to, you know, this isn't going to end well. But you know what? It all turns out the way that God says it's going to turn out. Prophecy is sure, and without Jesus' arrival and his presence on earth, prophecy would never and could never have been fulfilled, and that chain reaction of what happened after Jesus' life here was, would never have been started, but instead it did, and it was a chain reaction of discipleship, a chain reaction of fellowship, a chain reaction of people saying, do you know what? I, I, I heard someone Witness this. And they said that it was the power of God. I'm going to give that a go. Lord, help us today to have faith like a child. You get older, you get more cynical, you get more stubborn, you get harder, you get more... D- Sorry, no offense to us old people, but we constantly have to be on our guard. And I'm going to say this now. I'm, I'm thinking of making this little message. The other day, I was in the toy department. I was in the, the toy department. I'm like, we're walking around and shopping and all of a sudden I felt a pull to the toys. I went into the toy department. I bought a couple of toys. I'm like, Lord, why do I not come to the toy department more often? It's brilliant here. It take me right back to when I was a, a wee boy. I went into the toy department, and I've got more stories about toys, but not for now. And so, give us faith like a child again. Jesus would never have established a following of disciples unless he came. His visit to this earth in the flesh changed everything, and he modeled a way of life and a path of life to first-hand witnesses. The people seen this happening, amen? Amen. And so I want to say this this morning to all of you here. It's by our witness, through our witness, by our actions, that new witnesses are waiting to be impacted. People that have never seen a miracle, never heard of a miracle, disconnected totally from the Word of God and from a loving Savior. These people are waiting to be impacted by the power of God and the power of God is resident within you this morning. The power that is the Holy Spirit's anointing on your life is, 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 is there to impact someone's life. And so my, my, my brothers and my sisters in Christ, and I know I can call all of you that this morning, we got to listen to the Holy Spirit more than we listen to culture we got to be disciples of Jesus, not disciples of this culture. Because the culture of this present time negates Jesus Christ. And it enthrones itself. It exalts things. It promotes feelings. And so on and so on it goes. And as I said earlier on, there's a series of Psalms called the Enthronement Psalms. Now, it's Psalm 47. Make a note. 47, 93, 93. 96, 97, 98, 99. How many is that? Six. Psalm 47, Psalm 93, Psalm 96, 97, 98, 99. Brilliant. You know what that means? From today until Christmas Day, you can read one enthronement psalm a day. Are you you in? Have you got some skin in this? Are you in it to win it? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Right, we're in it. We're in it. Every day, we're going to read an enthronement psalm every day. From today, you begin with Psalm 47, then 93, and then 96 through 99. Amen? These psalms proclaim his kingship, his greatness, his justice, his reign, his holiness, his strength, his beauty, and it goes on and on. And I was thinking to myself, do you know what? See if I ever get dry and I don't know what to praise God for please go to go to the Word and go and read the Enthronement Psalms. If you need fuel for the fire, man, if you need some bullets for the gun, go and read the Enthronement Psalms. Do you know what? Hmm. Sometimes we try and make it all up ourselves. And that's why we're dry. The Psalms are made to be sung. Go and we sing them. Let's just go and sing them. If we don't know what else to sing, let's just sing a Psalm. Amen. And so, we're going to do that. So, these enthronement psalms are songs of praise. Just like on the telly. Songs of praise. Amen? And so, these enthronement psalms, and it's like, it just brings illumination and enlightenment to us. It reminds us. It's like the lights on a Christmas tree signify that light that's here. Amen? That came to the earth. It was a shining star that signified that Jesus the Messiah, the Jewish king, arrived on earth. And these days in our culture, people are just looking for shining stars in the hope that a personality, a system, an ideology will help them to security and fulfillment. They're looking for the wrong stars. They're looking for the wrong stars. People are looking for solutions and a way out of bad situations. And we've got to remember the way out, not reason the way out. Remember what God done for you. Remember, let's remember what he's done for us. Yes. He got us out of addiction, hey? Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. He got us out of addiction. No. He got us out of like um, uh, all the slumps we've had, all the trouble. He got us out and we've just got to remember that he did it. Yes. Instead, we try and make a new solution and come up with reason it out for ourselves every time. and say, so I think God is saying, please remember the way I delivered you. Remember your Deliverer. Remember Jesus. Amen? Remember remember how good things were when you were right back at the beginning. The the goodness of God. Remember the goodness of God like Pauline sang this morning. The taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So family, Jesus Christ is still King. Amen? And I want to read this here in Luke 126. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Try saying that without a drink of water. (laughs) The L's all get mixed up together. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. If you go to these enthronement psalms, and I did that this week, and you underline everywhere where it says that Christ, that, that, that he reigns, he's the king, and he's been enthroned, you'll find your underlining all over the place. He, has, he is on the throne. It was a king that was born on this earth. It was a king. And I don't know about you guys, but I I want to have a king. I need a king. We have leaders and people in authority and all of that kind of stuff, but I need a king to love and to honor. I need a king. And Jesus is my king. Amen. And his kingship... And the way that it was gained and what it provides for us, I, if you know, he, he, God, is so, God is so loving. He says, no longer do I call you, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. And I'm like, Lord, I'm your subject. I'm subject to you. And that should constantly humble us and cause us to want to worship him. And fill us with everlasting gratitude to remember that he's our king. and the, and the pathway to his kingship was not easy. And I want to share, you, share with you a few things I listened to while preparing this message regarding Jesus' pathway to the throne, because he was a king when he arrived on Earth. That's what the, it was prophesied that he was, he was going to be a king. And I want to say that there's pattern, there's a way that you become a king. in the Old Testament and you can read about this if you look at the, the, the Old Testament kings, the ones we know best. Who's that? David, Saul, and Solomon. And there was Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and there was like many others. But the first thing was they were to be anointed. There had to be some kind of a form of a proclamation or a divine um, designation on them. Right, okay, you, you're going to be king. What's the next thing that happens? Prove it. Are you worthy of being a king? So once you were anointed, you had to demonstrate that you were worthy, that you were worth it. And so the proof of anointing came by defeating a foe or performing a deed or going through some sort of a test to show that you were worthy of the kingship over the people. Amen. It was to affirm that you were a true warrior And you were worthy of being a king. Show us you're worthy. And then finally, there was a coronation. So you were anointed. You had to prove it, that you were worthy of being a king. And then you were crowned king. And if you look at, for example, David, he was anointed by Samuel. What was the next step? He had a test. It was about nine foot high. His name was Goliath. He kills Goliath and then he's enthroned king. Oh wow. So these steps seem to, this pattern seems to repeat itself as the king goes on the pathway from obscurity to his kingship. And so we, we can, in a moment I'll show you how we can identify with this here in this time. But when we look at all of this, we find, well, how does this reflect in the Gospels? Because, you know, the Old Testament, in many cases, is a type and shadow of the the new. So what about Jesus? Stage one, John announces that Jesus is the Messiah. He's coming and anoints him. And he's, well, it's the Holy Spirit. John baptizes him. And then Jesus is? anointed and filled by the Spirit. Stage two, what was the test? He goes out into the wilderness. Amen. He was compelled by the Spirit to go and confront the greatest enemy that there was. No mere Philistine or Amorite or blah, blah, blah. It was to go and confront Satan that he passed the test. He passes the test. He shows that he's worthy He's worthy of kingship. And then number three, the coronation. But we think, oh, maybe that's just like David's or Saul's where the people had a huge party and they put a crown on his head. It wasn't the same for Jesus. His third phase, he was put on trial for claiming to sit at the right hand of God. So they clothed him in a royal robe And they crowned him with thorns. And people bowed before him mockingly. So, think about these things. His crucifixion was his coronation as king. His crucifixion was his coronation. Jesus wasn't called a king until he stood before Pontius Pilate. But within 30 verses from that very moment, he was called king six times. Three times by Pontius Pilate, twice by the mockers that mocked him, and one by a sign that was on top of his cross. King of the Jews. So here is Jesus. He also came this pathway to kingship, the pathway of a king. From his birth To the very last moments of his life, he was born to die. There's a song we sing, actually, He Lived to Die. It's like a rose trampled on the floor, that that beautiful song. Jesus was born. We celebrate his birthday. He was born to die. He was the king that laid down his life for his people, not the other way around. He was the king that established the royal law of love. He says, lay down your lives for one another. And so to close this message off, how can we identify with Christ and his royalty? And we have to realize that we are as he was on this earth and we've been called, we've been called, we've been given a priestly ministry. See, everyone thinks, no, no no way. I'll never be a priest. I'll never be a pastor. I'll never be a minister. uh, It's just, that's not for me. And God says, you're kings and priests. You'll reign in the millennium, rule with Christ as kings and priests. You have a priestly ministry here on this earth. So we have a royal identity already. Amen? Revelation 5, verse 9 to 10 tells us that, that we've been redeemed by the blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. 2 Timothy two eleven says, if we died with him, we also live with Him. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. Amen. So there's a coming age where we will, we will rule and reign. If by the grace of God we are we are with Him, we will rule and reign as kings. And so, but let's while we're here in this earth, let's begin to, as you go into 2022, think about this, learn the art of royalty, find out more about the royalty of Christ, the language of greatness, because his ways are not as our ways, but we can, we can strive, we can strive, we can, we can want more, we can, Lord, show us your ways, Uh, you're, how regal, how, how majestic, how, you you have such wisdom as a king, you're, he is the great king, It's like, Father God, we need some of those character traits in our lives. Because we are part of the family of a king. Amen? We are part of the family of a king. So bless you this morning. Know that as you go from here, that you're part of the family of a king. And there's a pathway of a king. And many times we are the same. God will call us or anoint us to do something we want to go straight from there to the coronation. There's the reward. But we, there's something, there's a phase two, a stage two in the middle. It's called, it's called the test. It's where, it's where it's determined, are you worthy? And I know that, oh, well, because worth is such a huge thing now with mental health and everything. But there are great rewards for those that are worthy. To be faithful as he was faithful. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.